Faith FM Breakfast Show with the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome, everybody. You're listening on 87.6, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever we are. Positively different radio in the morning, and a special shout-out to all those listening in Ellenbrook, Western Australia on 88.0. Another shout-out to all those listening in Emerald in Queensland on 87.6. I will reveal the answer to that in due course. Really? Yes. Emerald. Okay. And also, long reach listening on the vast network. Yeah, shout out those guys. I don't know why. Yeah. But apparently Lyle does. There is a reason. There is a reason. You will have to keep listening to find out the reason. Well, you know what I'm grateful for this morning, Lyle? What are you grateful for? I still have a job. Which oh, is, that's which always a positive thing. Nah, we, we you did. didn't get sacked yesterday. I didn't get How sacked. What is going on around yeah, here? I know. The standards have really dropped. <laughs> <laughs> Shell kept her job as well. Congratulations. We all kept our jobs. I must have got sacked. <laughs> oh, whoops. I never got called into the office. So. <laughs> we, had a, we had an office performance review. And uh, oh, for the most part, it went good, I think. I hope. Well, you're, you're here this morning. I'm here this morning. Here I this didn't morning. get You might sacked. not be here tomorrow, but you're here this morning. <laughs> That's right. You might be like, yeah, we're going to process the uh, information here and crunch the numbers. That's going to take us a couple of months, and then we're going to find it. Oh, actually, Lawson's been underperforming here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's well that's I'm I'm not looking forward to that call if it eventually comes. After after promising being able to continue radio for next year, I'd hate if that call came. I have every confidence that you'll be doing an exceptional job in radio next year. And You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. So coming up in today's news, we're going to look at the world's most popular Bible verse for this year. It's not John 3.16? It might surprise you. Wow. Uh, We're also going to look at a census in the UK. Uh, Is the UK still an English... Sorry, is it still... Is England still a... Christian country or not. I'll get there in the end. You're with the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson. This is the first question for our quiz today. The Lord is my light and my blank. Whom shall I fear? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know what that blank is. If you do, you'll go into the draw to win the Miracles and Pitfalls board game, a board game that you could probably play if you're on NASA's Artemis mission to fly around the moon. You could probably do that. I'm I'm putting I've never been I've never been on it, but I'm I'm guessing you probably could. Uh but you could play this board game anywhere with any amount of people. Well, there's probably a maximum amount of people who can play. But you can play with a group of yeah, people. You can play with there'll be a maximum amount of people d- that's for sure. Definitely. Yeah. It's like the buy-in is like a cup at least if you're on that mission, I think you should call in this morning, please, and answer the quiz so that you can go in the draw. Absolutely, we won't be any any, any way biased when we uh, do the draw. Man, I can't wait. It'll be random. But- can't wait until we can take the school bus to the moon. You know, <laughs> every every child from the 1960s dream <laughs> get the school bus to the moon by 1985. <laughs> it's awesome. But hey, the miracles and pitfalls board game will give it to you absolutely for free. You just have to answer the questions correctly and call or text zero four nine one zero six four six six nine with the answer. Again, the Lord is my light and my blank. Whom shall I? 
All right, let's have some positively different news this morning. I've got some pretty negative news coming up, so I'm hoping you got some really positive stuff there. I do. So, here at The Breakfast Show, we love our music, and particularly producer Shell. She is just killing it on the music front, just every single day producing amazing shows with amazing music, and particularly here at our show, being that we're called Faith FM, uh, we tend to play Christian music. We tend to play music that glorify God, glorifies God. But you know what else glorifies God? Nature. Yes. And these two things have intertwined, interspliced into potentially a number one selling album. While, while currently in pre-save, uh, a, a, a organization here in Australia called Frog ID has comp- compiled an album of frog sounds. Okay, from from nature. They've compiled an album of frog sounds. Do we have those on hand, Shell? Okay, can you play one for us right now? <laughs> yeah, that's epically cool. Now, the amazing thing about these particular frog sounds is that they're sounds of frogs that are endangered. So there's, we're, we're losing actually a lot of frogs. It's kind of an ecological catastrophe going on here in Australia. And these frog sounds are recorded of endangered frogs. And for this reason, it means that these frog sounds are rare and lots of people are getting on board to listen to this album. The album is currently in like pre-save at the moment. It's like pre-order, pre-save, and people are doing that. And the numbers are already such that it's threatening to enter into the top 10 here in Australia and usurp and take over the lead from essentially Taylor Swift, who has like locked out like the top 10 for the last however long, uh, which I don't know. I thought it was hilarious. I'm like, yes, nature is taking over. It's, it's beating down everything that is, um, that is, I just, I just love the thought of frog sounds being the most streamed music even for you know, when one I first, day when i first heard the first like 10 seconds of the i was just like super annoying yeah and then i really started to get and i was like yeah i could i could listen to this just you know i could go to sleep with this at night absolutely you'd feel like you're sleeping in a swamp yeah some white noise absolutely so or muddy noise <laughs> that's right some, Swamp, swampy noise. some, some swamp you, you can enjoy all of the benefits of the swamp without getting bitten by mosquitoes or sleeping in mud mud Literally. So, yeah, I, I wanted to talk about that, and I just love the fact that it's potentially going to top the charts. So, once it comes out, once it rushes into the charts, you'll be able to hear. And did I hear right that it's, like, going for a charity to try to help the endangered species, or is that... Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's Frog ID's initiative for the whole album, is to essentially all of the money goes back to helping their work. Yeah, and I can imagine somebody putting something together like this. Like, like this would be a pretty cool project. Let's do this. You know, we'll earn a little bit of money from it to go towards frog research. And then the thing's just exploded and gone viral. That's right. And is like on number one streaming. You know, I bet they never expected that Mm. from frogs. So they've already done something similar with birds previously, but this frog album is like a whole nother level. You know, it's anticipated, you know, the anticipated release of frog noises. 
from endangered frogs. But yeah, hey, we this is something that we totally encourage you to support. Go and get those frog noises, chuck them in your ears when you're walking or sleeping or doing work. Apparently, it's really relaxing. I've never listened to white noise in my life, but apparently a lot of people need it. I've listened to it for a couple of nights and it was just fine. It just, just puts you out? Yeah. There you go. All right, in other news, okay, I'm going to talk about an interesting place, a place that I find very fascinating, and that is Greece. Greece is just one of the most interesting previous world powers that has ever existed because, well, it previously was the greatest power on Earth, militarily, economically, uh, politically, all of these different things. It once was. Around a little over 2,000 years ago, it was, yeah, one one of the greatest... Nations I mean, the that, world was Greek. That's right. It was everybody spoke the, ling, the lingua franca was Greece, Greek. That's right. Now the lingua franca is like English. English. It's sent, it's essentially was the language of the, the world. world. And I think it's so funny because like Greece, well, today you've got a big mainland of Greece where Athens and whatnot is. But then it's just it's a this backwater, isn't it? Sorry, it's a bit of a backwater these then, days. Then there's just like these islands everywhere. Yes. And, and and Greek people were just like 2,400 years ago and even earlier, they were like, you know what, instead of living on a big, you know, huge land formation being like attached to the rest of the world, let's just live on tiny islands for fun. And that's... And well, defence, there's this big salty moat all around you. Absolutely. Which is, you know, useful. But you just, you just, you're just like, oh yeah, instead of... Being joined to the rest of the world, I'm going to have my humble existence on an island. Yes, and you know, obviously contribute to the military. Well, you've you've also got a massive, a massive liquid farm all mm. around you when you're living on an island. There are advantages to living on an Dude, island. It's it's epic. Plus, you've got great scenery. You've got beautiful beaches. What's not to love about living on an island? Well, this I is think the Greek people actually have this sorted. This is actually the thing: is that well, they still do this. To this day. Yes. There are many people in Greece living on islands. And one particular island, it's called Tilos, uh, in the Aegean Sea. It's one of those small ones. There's plenty of islands in the Aegean Sea. There's so many of them. You know, we, we know about the big names, Mykonos and, and Naxos and whatnot. But, you know, Tilos is one of those smaller ones. In fact, it has 750 people living on it. So oh, it's a very small one. It then. is a tiny little island. Um, but it's it's like the city is so cute. It's like a small island. It's got this like little little city on there where people live and they're doing their thing. Now, on the island, uh, they, well, ran into one of a very modern problem, which is the problem of waste. Essentially, it's only 750 of them. That's right. But if 750 people on a tiny little island are producing plastic that they can't put anywhere... Mm. See, this is a very... Valid, mo- valid question. A what very modern problem. Ship it to the mainland? That's Well, they previously come up with the idea of making a landfill, but they were using a landfill, but then landfills make the island smelly. Landfills... They are do. smelly and gross. They and if you disgusting. live on a tiny island with 750 people, why would you want your whole island to smell like a tip? So, what's the solution? Well, what they did, replace the landfill with a recycling center, mm. replace yeah. all plastic products, do like a total plastic ban for for the most part, as we've done here in Australia. So still a lot of plastic around, but yeah. Still a lot of plastic around, but replace everything with a recycling centre so it can immediately be recycled. And then anything that can't be recycled, like bigger items or working things or clothes or whatever, 
make another center where you upcycle them and replace them. And then everything else, all of the other waste just is, you know, well, it's biodegradable. So when you talk about upcycling, we all, we all know about recycling where you break it down, you know, you take your plastic bottle, you break it down into raw plastic and turn it into another plastic bottle again. What's upcycling? Upcycling is where you take your clothes or your bicycle or whatever it may be, put it in an area where they clean it up and give it to someone else or use it for someone ah, else. Ah, yes. So this, the, the tip shop. They have basically ticked every box in basic not needing any landfill whatsoever. That's amazing. That's what the world needs to do. We need to have it over the whole world. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. What book of the Bible has the most chapters? Just just thought I'd get that out of the way. Straight away, no introductions. What book of the Bible has the most chapters? If you know. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text, and we can play the Miracles and Pitfalls board game on top of a bus. I'll find cool. one. We'll climb up on it. We'll play this game. I will beat you because I win every game that I play for the first time, and then you'll probably beat me a bunch of times after that. But On, it, top, of a, on, top, of a, on top of a bus. On top of a bus. You, you guarantee you will do it on top of a bus. I'll find one. Okay. There'll be one somewhere. Uh-huh. I'll find it and we'll get on top of it and we'll play the Miracles and Pitfalls board game. 0491-064-669. What book of the Bible has the most chapters? All right. If you know the answer, give us a call right now. Um, one of my colleagues, esteemed colleagues, Sharissa Tarosian, who is part of the Wednesday afternoon looking up show here on Faith FM, mentioned this story yesterday. I thought it was worth repeating for our breakfast show hosts. Mm. Uh, and that the, the question that comes up is, what was last year's most shared Bible verse? Oh, And this will surprise you. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't sometimes think of some of the really famous ones like, you know, John 3.16 and that kind of thing. No, this is not the most shared Bible verse for last year. The most shared Bible verse for last year was Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10. Good to see an Old Testament verse getting mm. in there, uh, which says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with my right hand of with the right hand of my righteousness. What a great passage. Mm. This is a passage that is, you can kind of see that our world is a little bit, that there's tension in our world when mm. this is the most shared Bible verse that is out there. Yeah, absolutely. There is anxiety, there is fear in the world, and uh, people are using this particular Bible verse to encourage each other. Mm. Uh, it particularly peaked in the countries of Argentina, France, Germany, and the United States. What was interesting was that Europe and Africa, think about this, had the fastest regional growth for Bible engagement. Now, you would expect that in Africa. Mm. But Europe, for the first time in a very, 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 very long time, had the fastest regional growth for Bible engagement. That has been in decline for decades, and suddenly it has turned around. Poland was up by 241%. Germany was up by 733%. Mm. If you're a Christian living in one of these countries and you listen to Faith FM this morning, my advice would be to get out there, start giving some Bible studies, start doing some evangelistic campaigns because people are interested and they are reading their Bibles. They want to know. You are living Mm. in countries where they want to know. Another surprise one was Cuba 
was up by 76%. That's random. Wow. That is super random. Where did that come from? What, what's happening in Cuba right now? I don't know. I haven't seen Cuba in the news. I've seen Europe in the news all year long. We mm. all understand why Bible reading is up in Europe. It's because there is war in Europe and there is the danger of World War Three happening there right now. So we can understand why people would be reading their Bibles and particularly why they would be sharing Isaiah 41 and verse 10. But Cuba, I don't know. Uh, let me see here. There was a 55% increase in Bible engagement in Ukraine where the four most searched-for words in the Bible app were war, fear, anxiety, and love. Mm. So you can kind of see, you can kind of see, yeah, if you're in Ukraine, those would be keywords that people would be searching for. Mm. Okay, so that's the positive news, uh, and we need to grab hold of positive news like that. We need to learn from it, and we need to recognize that, hey, if there's a crisis that comes to your nation, don't wait. Just get out and share the gospel because people mm. are going to be open to it during times of crisis. Then mm. the UK, their 10-year census results came out, showing a fall greater than many expect, expected in relationship to Christianity in uh, England and Wales. They, uh, those are both now for the very first time in uh, a very, very long time. Minority Christian nations, mm-hmm. minority Christian, a minority Christian country. Mm. with just 46.2% of people who consider themselves to be part of the Christian faith. Uh, Ten years ago, that number was 59.3. That's a massive, massive drop. You've got around 37.2% say that they have no religion, which is up by a quarter over the last results. Uh, Islam grew by about 2%. It's sitting at about a little over 6%. And so this particular drop, which has seen membership and engagement with Christianity literally fall off the edge of a cliff, mm. has been found in uh, the mainline church of England, Methodist Church and United Reformed Church, which are the three UK churches that have gone down the path, I just have to point this out, of same-sex affirmation. Mm. same-sex priests, same-sex marriages, all that kind of thing, and their membership has just literally fallen off the edge of a cliff. Mm. And the reason that they went down this path was because they believed that it was a way of engaging more with the culture of the time and being able to share Jesus more effectively, and they expected that their churches, you know, this was something that would be positive for church growth. Mm. It has been the exact opposite. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, once again, something to learn from there. Uh, you've got secular groups that are now, as a result of that, calling for a de-emphasis on Christmas mm. because they're saying we are no longer, you know, we are now a Christian minority nation and so therefore we should start de-emphasizing Christmas. I saw this Instagram video. And it was called Working in Hospitality During December. And there's like a video of someone giving someone a, you know, their beverage or whatever. And it's like, Merry Christmas is, hey, that's offensive. I'm not a Christian. And then the next thing's like, happy holidays. Hey, why can't you call it Christmas? What are you scared? And it's just like, <laughs> it's, the, it's the duality of the situation, right? Oh, it's, it's like, just stupid. It's so polarized it's on stupid. both sides. And it's, oh, it's ridiculous. Yes. If somebody wishes you something positive, take it. In the positive light in which it was intended. If someone says to me, happy Ramadan, even though I'm not Islamic, Islamic I will say thank you. Of course you will, <laughs> because they are wishing you positive vibes in your life. Mm. Just just 
Just get over it, guys, seriously. <laughs> a lot of Christians out there, of course, are going to lament the fact that there is a drop in Christianity. There's an easier solution to this. 46% of people in the UK uh, profess uh, or put on the census that they are Christians. Mm. Um, if you want that number to double, it's very easily done. Just go to church. Mm. Just go to church. Imagine if 46% of the population of the UK was going to church and uh, talking to their friends about the positive experiences that they're having at church. The next year, you'd have 86% of the population identifying as Christ, as Christian. Mm. Very, very simple formula right there. Uh, because pe- other people do things when they see other people doing things and receiving a benefit from it. All right, there's an interesting one coming out of the Grammys. Uh, of course, the Grammy Awards, they're kind of like, you know, the... Big awards for music, I guess. They're like the biggest awards for music. Okay, the biggest awards for music. Uh And for the very first time in the 65 years of the history of the Grammys, an album of hymns Mm. has been nominated. Mm Mm-hmm. Have never nominated hymns before. Can you mm. believe that? Now, this is specifically in the category of like best gospel album. Yes, right? best gospel album. Yeah, album. because generally, best gospel album is usually it's it's a category that's filled with. Mm, well, they're up against Willie Nelson. He's still going. Yeah, the guys like anyway. Uh, the Gaither <laughs> vocal kicking. band. Yeah, those those guys. Well, they they just keep rolling. So mm-hmm. uh, Karen Peck. And New River and the Tennessee State University Marching Band. Yeah. So there's a, like a ton of like Southern Gospel as well as, yeah, different worship music. But this is specifically like an album hymns. of hymns. First time we've had hymns. So we might even play one of the hymns here in just a moment as we finish up this segment. Mm. Uh, Keith and Kristen Getty said, It was our love letter to the land of our birth. They wrote it in Ireland. They both come from Ireland. Mm. The place that gave the origins and the meaning to why we write hymns uh, from its first hymn writer, St. Patrick, uh, to Be Thou My Vision, to our own journey, writing In Christ Alone and other modern hymns. I wonder whether St. Patrick was the first hymn writer in Ireland. He wasn't Irish. Mm. He wasn't Catholic. It's very possible he was the first hymn writer to uh, bring hymns to Ireland. It's also possible that there were other missionaries there before Patrick, uh, we don't know, but Patrick was certainly the one. He was kind of like the Apostle Paul to Ireland. He was the the big missionary, the main missionary who took Celtic Christianity, not Roman Catholic Christianity, but Celtic Christianity to uh, mm. the Irish nation. So it's wonderful to see some really nice hymns coming out of Ireland today. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we are going to have another question for the quiz. Who was the man from the land of Uz? 0491-064-669, if you know the answer to that one. You will go into the draw to win Miracles and Pitfalls. The board game will give it to you for free. You just have to get in the draw. To get in the draw, you just have to answer those questions correctly. 0491-064-669. Who was the man from the land of but right now, it, we have come time for our interview today, and we have one of our favorite guests coming on to talk about all things good, healthy, vegan, tasty, amazing food, Jeremy Dixon. Jeremy, are you there with us? I'm here. Jeremy, what are we into today? Well, given that it is the 1st of December, I thought I'd share a few of my favorite Christmas kind of themed recipes with you. Oh, amazing. Hey, I'll tell you what. I took your advice, actually. Last time you were on, you were talking about 
cooking for a big group of people. And I had a big yeah. group that I was cooking for coming up. And I took your advice yeah. and it went really well. So as we're coming to Christmas now, I am very much looking forward to taking your advice again yeah. and gleaning some information <laughs> here. That's wonderful. Yes, I've got a few recipes I'll share out of my six cookbook. And I suppose when it comes to Christmas time being like a healthy person or a vegetarian or a vegan, you're normally rubbing shoulders with other parts of your family that don't eat vegan stuff. So it's kind of an opportunity to kind of, kind of, you're kind of the, almost a talking point of, oh, what's Jeremy going to come along today? And, oh, um, you know, what it tastes like meat and, oh, I'm not trying that stuff. So it's kind of quite a, it creates quite a fun, well, in my family it does anyway, quite a mm. fun kind of talking point with the, you know, the strange vegan coming in with a strange food. Mm. So it's kind of an opportunity to kind of impress. And um, I think the thing is keeping it quite lighthearted. Um, you don't want to be coming in as kind of a staunch vegan type thing. You want to come in as a kind of a just a, you know, show them some pretty new healthy recipes. So in my family, anyway, it's quite a fun time to, Okay, let me let me write that down. Don't be a staunch vegan. I haven't tried that yet. I, I've just been doing the opposite. Because you know the old joke. Yeah, you know the old joke. How do you know if someone's a vegan? Don't don't worry, they'll tell you. They will tell you absolutely, especially on Christmas yeah. Day when you've got the spread there. Like most of my family aren't vegan, and so that means that yeah, yeah on Christmas you've got the whole spread there, and then you've got the vegan section in the corner. So <laughs> that's usually exactly. how it goes. But yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to contributing using your tips definitely. Exactly. But you've got some cool recipes here. So I thought the first one I quite, I do most Christmases with my family. is it's a cookbook six. is a melt in your mouth, not turkey, with herby cashew gravy. Whoo! Now, turkey is the staple of Christmas, usually. It's it's one yeah, of exactly. them, at least. So, exactly. So, again, this is, it won't be an exact turkey recipe, but it's a really, really yummy dish. And it's so simple to make. So basically, it's a mixture of um, cooked up onions. And what you do is you grate some tempeh and grate some tofu. And you basically kind of make these kind of patties. And then you mix in some miso paste, some Dijon mustard, a little bit of oil, a little bit of mixed herbs, a bit of salt. So you kind of you got your kind of cool, cool flavors and you kind of roll them up and it's kind of this, you kind of squeeze it through your fingers and kind of press it together kind of a thing. Mm. And so you got these kind of patties. You kind of shape it into kind of drumsticky kind of kind of weird shapes. Mm. Throw them in the oven for forty minutes and kind of bake them. And you've got these really. It's quite quite a flavour. Some because obviously something like tempeh and tofu is quite quite boring. So those that you know the Dijon mustard, the miso paste, and the mixed herbs kind of you know um, are quite a nice flavour to go with it. End up with these kind of drumstick shaped kind of things. And then you make a really nice kind of cashew gravy, herby gravy to go over the top. So that's just a mixture of cashew nuts and some onion and some garlic and some yeast flakes and some, um, you know, some thyme and sage um, and some cashew nuts, kind of blend them up in a blender and then just kind of, you know, cook that up on the stove top in a, in a pot and you've got this really nice flavours and gravy. So you kind of have these kind of these drumsticky things, you drizzle the gravy over and it's a, it's a really, really yummy dish. That. That sounds amazing, of course. That, that's awesome. So, yes, that's one thing I do most Christmases, and my family generally love it and everything, so it's quite a good thing to, to mm. throw on the Christmas table to sit next to the uh, the real turkey or the real chicken. And gravy just makes it as well, but then often there's exactly. gravy that's, you know, not coming from vegan places, but it's good that we have some alternatives. Exactly. So it's really easy, mate. You just use, I suppose, soy sauce, cashew nuts, and, um, you know, a little bit of a few herbs is probably the best way to make gravy. Oh. Um, and, yeah, you heat it up. And I suppose the main thing with when you're making 
when you're making your kind of vegan style gravy, the, the texture is really important. It's very mm-hmm. easy for it to go super thick or super runny. So you kind of want to make sure you're cooking it up. If you've got cashew nut butter or cashew nuts, it kind of can go thick as you cook it. So just be just be aware of the thickness and the texture. And just before you serve it, you might want to heat it up or just stir a bit of water through it. Mm. Uh, just so you've got a nice, you know, a pourable, thick pourable. Mm. But you don't want that kind of gluggy gravy where it kind of just lands on it. Um, you want to make sure you've got it a bit, bit runny, but not too runny. So that's kind of probably the big thing to, to keep an eye out for. But again, just to stir it and water through to make get the right texture to be way to go. Mm. All right. So we've got our turkey main big spread yep. on the plate. Where do we go to next? Well, one of my favorite salads, and that probably doesn't sound impressive from the title, but it's it's just so amazing, is a, a fig and quinoa salad with an orange ginger dressing. Oh, okay. And, um, and what this has got on, so basically you cook up your quinoa as normally, you've got your, your fluffy quinoa, but then, and you, it's really not fun to use like red quinoa and white, white quinoa, um, so you get a bit of a kind of a more of a, a bit more of a prettier kind of a look. Mm. So you got your basic quinoa there. So quinoa itself is very boring. Um, and you want to make sure, obviously, when you do like a quinoa salad, you want to make sure it's probably like, you know, 20 to 30 percent quinoa, not like 90 percent quinoa. Mm. So you want to make sure you fill it with all the fun stuff. So then you just throw in, you know, um, dried. You get throw some figs in, which are really yummy. And what you do is you can buy those dried figs from most health stores and just hydrate them with a bit of boiling water, so they really come really, really soft. Throw, chop them up, throw them in. So this is kind of what I kind of throw everything into the bowl, kind of a salad. Throw in some diced red onion. And red diced red onion is really nice when it's raw. It's just really nice and it just gives a really nice zing to things. Mm. Um, throw in some avocado, some cubed avocado. Um, throw in some chopped orange or mandarin. And uh, throw in a big handful of chopped mint. So you've got that mint, orange, avocado, red onion fig together. It just makes a really wonderful combination. And there's kind of lots of different kind of soft textures in that salad as well, which makes wow. it quite, quite easy to eat. And then you just make a simple dressing, just a bit of ginger puree or ginger um, with some orange juice, a bit of honey or date puree, a bit of olive oil, a bit of mint, a bit of salt. So you make like a little mini dressing just in a little cup, um, stir it up and just um, kind of pour it through. And that is a really flavorsome, textural, colorful little salad. Wow. I love all those things individually. I'm a huge fan of onion in salad, but yeah, onion with orange... And mint and wow, okay, fair enough. I I, and, I, tr- and normally, I trust. Normally I'm not a big, yeah, normally I'm not a big fan of fruit and salads, mm. um, but this one actually works quite well. Kind of the avocado and the and the um, kind of tones down the fruitiness of it all. It's just mm, I don't know it's just quite okay. a nice good combination. I quite like so, and mm. um, it's a really nice, beautiful. And it's quite colourful as well. Um, so it's a good one for the Christmas table. Mm, amazing. Okay, so you've got your big main, you've got your salad there. What's next? So I'll do something sweet now. So there's a really mm. nice, um, I've got it in the cookbook six again. It's a, a creamy raw fruit and nut tort with mm. cherries and strawberries. So what you do, basically there's, there's three components. It's like a layered cake, if you imagine it. So basically you've got your, you've got three types of layers. You've got a cream. So you make up just a, your standard cashew cream, which is like mm. cashew nuts or cashew butter and water. So you just blend that up. So you've got a really nice pourable kind of, thick but pourable cream. Again, getting the textures right. If it's too thick, it's horrible, but if it's too thinny, it's going to go everywhere. So you just want to get that texture so it kind of sits on the, kind of like a pavlova whipped cream kind of a texture. And then you have, what you do is you make these little small kind of discs, big discs or big round 
things of basically a, a fruit and nut, kind of like a blissful kind of mixture. Mm. So you blend up cashew nuts, almonds, Brazil nuts, dates, dried apricots, some um, cacao or carob powder, and you kind of blend it up. It's kind of like a blissful mix, and you kind of press it out into this really thin disc, and then you chop up some strawberries and some fresh cherries, and you just layer it. So you basically do a, a layer of um, of this kind of this fruit and nut base thing and it kind of sticks together then you do a layer of cream a layer of strawberries and you repeat a layer of and you kind of layer it up so the strawberries are kind of poking out the side and then you top it with another you know a handful of some fresh cherries and strawberries and some diced almonds and some cream and it, it layers up to be a really beautiful kind of creamy pavlova-ish kind of a looking cake and it's um mm. it really presents well tastes amazing and it's, no, it's a really cool thing to do <sighs> That, okay, I'm. We are we are salivating. I'm really looking forward to Christmas now. This is <laughs> <laughs> because because I think something that that it's often as as a vegan, it's like you want to contribute, but then there's the fear that comes with like oh like you know just that food anxiety yeah. of like oh will e- anyone even eat what you're bringing? But I'm sure exactly. if I make and, something and on this bar, line, then you'll we're just going to the bar's a lot higher. Yeah, absolutely. The bar's a lot high for vegans. Like, someone comes with, like, some roasted chicken, they put it on a plate, and there it is, and, wow, everyone loves it. You know, the vegan <laughs> comes along, you get mad. Yeah, expectations, you better impress me, boy. That's so true. It's like, yeah, we got a Coles chicken. Oh, perfect. It's like, yeah, exactly. I spent six hours making this vegan dish. Hmm, yeah, vegans. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it, it takes longer, it costs more, and, it, yeah, it's, it's a lot more work, but it's, it's fun. You've got to... Kind of make it make it fun, and it's, it's and our, and my friend anyway. It's quite a fun kind of experience. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll say I, I've been talking about on the show actually. Uh, last Christmas we had. Now I am thankful, but that for the most part, my family's pretty accommodating because it, it's me and one of my sisters as well, a vegan. Uh, and yeah, so yeah. they, they, and my sister cooks too. So we'll have a good, yep. good serving of food there. Um, but yeah, last year we had this roast, this like vegan roast, um, fake yeah. meat thing. And it had this sauce on it. It was kind of this like jam sauce type deal. Yeah. And it was just something else. It's, it was to the point. It was so tasty that the meat eaters were just like getting into it and they were like, cause yep, it was a smaller yep. portion cause it was for the vegans and for the vegetarians. Yep. And it was like, Oh man, we should have made more of this. You know, they've got their spread yep, yep. of lamb and turkey and chicken or whatever it may be. But that vegan roast, everyone was going for it cause it was just so good. And so when you can impress though, People, people just love it. So yeah, I yeah. am, I am keen to contribute. I'm gleaning the tips right now. All right, are there any <laughs> any other any other recipes that just you know blow people's socks off when it comes Christmas time? Well, one that I really like, and you probably wouldn't think it was, but it's I, I've got a record um, oven roasted peaches. Ooh, so what you that do is you get amazing. Peach, get your peach, cut it in half, um, and then you basically put it on your on your um, oven tray. Mm-hmm. And then you probably cover a little bit of honey or date puree or maple syrup or something, just a little bit of sweetener. And then you kind of roast it for 30 minutes at 180 degrees. And it really, it's a really beautiful kind of roasted peachy sweet kind of a flavor to get these roasted peaches out. And then you drizzle over some, again, some cashew cream. Um, I quite often drizzle over like a raspberry drizzle. So you basically just blend up some frozen raspberries and a little bit of water, mm. drizzle that over, sprinkle a few pistachio nuts over the top of it. And it is a really nice little dessert, and you'd be surprised how nice roasted peaches taste. 
and it's quite it's, it's kind of a bit more often often on Christmas Day you get a lot of really heavy concentrated very highly flavored mm. food but nicer there's something that's just a, a bit of a step down but but not so rich and so mm. just quite a nice little dessert for that Refreshing. I'm a big roasted peaches fan. I've had roasted peaches plenty of times. And so I I totally, I can attest to what you're saying. That's good, good palate cleanser right there. Do do we have anything in the, in the realm of, of beverages at Christmas that, you know, yes. So that's another thing. Yeah. So again, there's lots of things you can do. One thing, and again, this is an area where there's just usually lots of soft drinks and potentially alcohol and, all these really, really sweet drinks and everything around the place. I just love just presenting some nice carafes or some nice um, glass jars just with sparkling water and then just throw in little bits of fruit in yes. it, like strawberries or peaches or sliced lemon, throw a few sprigs of mint, um, maybe put a little bit of lemon juice in or a little bit of fruit juice, mm. but just a really nice spritzer kind of fresh, mainly, mainly sparkling water, just with a few little flavours. And it's just a lot more um, nicer to eat rather than just having a really big, you know, big fruit punch juice that's sweetened with heaps of sugar. Mm. So I quite am a big favor of doing those kind of spritzer type things. And the presentation is everything. You want a nice yeah. glass jug. You want, you know, sprigs of mint um, and um, all your the bits of fruit chopped up in them. And it makes it quite fun as well. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a sparkling water convert. You know, sparkling water with nothing yeah. in it even. I'm just, I'm about it. Yep. But yeah, those sparkling water jars, we do that all the time for church and it is amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so yeah a, few, a few tips for Christmas. So yeah, again, again, just yeah, keep it simple and um, yeah, but, uh, don't be too stressed about the, the huge burden of expectation from your meat-eating family that this mm-hmm. is going to taste amazing. So just... Uh, Work with it, and uh, yeah, keep it fun and light, and um, and uh, yeah, I suppose the big thing about it is the food's one thing, but you know, the family and relationships are the best thing. So, um, yeah, food just brings people together, which is great. Absolutely, thank you so much, Jeremy. We're going to move on with the show right now. This is Keith and Kristen. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at one eight hundred Faith FM.